almost the entire chapter is just them singing and praising God for what he's done. And I think that's so important for us. You see probably themes throughout your own life where you've seen God be so good that you just had to sing out praises or yell out praises or whatever that looks like. But right here in Exodus 15, starting in verse 1, this is what the Israelites do after, after God has freed them. It says this, it says, I will sing to the Lord, for he is highly exalted. Both horse and driver he has hurled into the sea. The Lord is my strength and my defense. He has become my salvation. He is my God, and I will praise him. My Father's God, and I will exalt him. The Lord is a warrior. The Lord is his name. Pharaoh's chariots and his army he has hurled into the sea. The best of Pharaoh's officers are drowned into the Red Sea. The deep waters have covered them. They sank to the depths like a stone. Your right hand, Lord, was majestic in power. Your right hand, Lord, shattered the enemy. In the greatness of your majesty, you threw down those who opposed you. You unleashed your burning anger. It consumed them like stubble. By the blast of your nostrils, the waters piled up. The surging waters stood up like a wall. The deep waters congealed in the heart of the sea. The enemy boasted, I will pursue. I will overtake them. I will divide the spoils. I will gorge myself on them. I will draw my sword, and my hand will destroy them. But you blew with your breath, and the sea covered them. They sank like lead in the mighty waters. Who among the gods is like you, Lord? Who is like you, majestic in holiness, awesome in glory, working wonders? You stretch out your right hand, and the earth swallows your enemies. In your unfailing love, you will lead the people you have redeemed. In your strength, you will guide them to your holy dwelling. The nations will hear and tremble. Anguish will grip the people of Philistia. The chiefs of Edom will be terrified. The leaders of Moab will be seized with trembling. The people of Canaan will melt away. Terror and dread will fall on them. By the power of your arm, they will be as still as a stone until your people pass by, Lord, until the people you brought pass by. You will bring them in and plant them on the mountain of your inheritance, the place, Lord, you made for your dwelling, the sanctuary, Lord, your hands established. The Lord reigns forever and ever. Man, they can't help but sing praises to God. Whitney, we got to get that one on the song rotation, don't you think? Maybe get a, maybe adapt it a little bit. But have you ever just been so excited? about what God's doing in your life that you just had to sing praises, man. This is where they're at right now. And then you take instances like Acts chapter 4, where Paul is confronted by the Pharisees, right? The religious leaders, and they say, you got to stop talking about this Jesus. I mean, you keep talking about him, we're going to put you in jail if you don't stop talking about him. And what does he say? He doesn't say that he won't stop. He says that he can't. The fact that, that God has been so good that Jesus has overcome the grave that he says we cannot stop speaking about what we have seen and heard him do. And so this happened to me last week. I, I don't know if you guys have heard about this, but there's a lady named Kathy Bowen who uh, goes to our church. She's been here about a month. And a month ago, she was given weeks to a month to live. Um, she is struggling with uh, breast cancer, which led to brain cancer. And because of the brain cancer, they said she's got weeks to a month. Well, she called me Thursday afternoon, and she said, Dallas, i got to tell you something. 
I have no more brain cancer. It's gone, completely gone. And after, after I asked her two or three times, I, you say, gone? Gone? You're, you're gone? Really? I just, man, I couldn't help but praise God in that moment. I mean, it was this overwhelming sense of, man, I just got to give God praise because it looked dire. Take the Israelites faced up against the sea and the Egyptian army right in front of them, and God makes a way where there was no way. It seemed impossible, yet he did it, and they said, I've just got to praise. That's what I experienced last week, and maybe in your life you've experienced that at some time too. I know for me, about seven years ago, I was battling with a panic disorder, and there was a point in my life, and a lot of you have heard this, but this, look, all I got is one story, okay? So, I mean, that's like, you know, I got to just share that story, right? But But about seven years ago, I'm facing panic disorder, and man, it gets to a point where I tell Morgan, look, I'm either going to die because my body cannot handle this anymore, or I'm going to go insane because my mind can't handle it anymore. But then after some time, I watched as God took me and completely remade me. And man, there was a point in 2016 where I couldn't say two words. And to see what he's done in my life... I've got to talk about that guy. I've got to give that guy praise because I saw the point where I was at. And then I saw what he's done in my life, and man, I've got to give him praise. But here's the problem. <laughs> Our human nature is that we have amnesia at times, don't we? We forget, and I don't just mean generally. I mean we forget God's provisions over our lives. In Exodus 15, the Israelites are praising God's name. And then in Exodus 16, uh, starting in verse 2, it says this. In the desert, the whole community grumbled against Moses and Aaron. The Israelites said to them, if only we had died uh, at the hand in Egypt of the, wait. If only we had died by the Lord's hand in Egypt. There we go. There we sat around pots of meat and ate all the food we wanted. But you have brought us out into the desert to starve this entire assembly to death. See, this is what we've done from the beginning of time. Our human nature is that we forget often, right? And it is true that we would rather, as humans generally, we would rather face something that is unpleasant or even painful if we know what that thing is than to face something uncertain. And that's what's going on here. But I think one thing that would be really helpful for us is continually remembering, remembering, remembering what God has done. Like my story in 2016, man, I could do a much better job of just continuing to say, wow, here's where I was, and here's what God's done in my life over and over again, so that when uncertainty does come, we can trust because we've remembered how he has brought us through time and time again. See, remembrance helps us trust in the midst of uncertainty. Again, I, I couldn't say two words in 2016 at one point. And God has taken me from that place. But you know, at this point, sometimes in 2023, I think, you know what, maybe I'm, I'm doing all right now. Maybe I've got this. Maybe I'll be okay. But no, it is true when I said a couple weeks ago, God's got this, and we don't. God's got this, and we don't. What would it look like for us over and over to say, man, humbly, God, I just need you. I mean, I can't veer too far away from you because I know how that story ends over and over and over again. Remembrance 
is a great tool for us. Deuteronomy 6.12 says, Be careful that you do not forget the Lord who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. And let us tonight be careful not to forget what he's brought us out of as well. So, in that spirit, I'd love to take a minute here tonight and love for you to just reflect on what is it that God has brought you out of in your life? love for you to take a minute to just think about that. What has he freed you from? And then I'd love to pray and then we'll continue. Father, we thank you for the way that you continue to move. I mean, there's so many times where we like don't notice, like you do so many things, but help us to notice because you're so active. You're active just like you were in the book of Exodus. You're, you're active today, and so, Father, help us to just notice. Help us to see that you truly are the same God and that if there are things that, that people are navigating through tonight, I pray that you'll Give your authority, show your authority and power over it once again. Father, I pray for freedom in this room. Just like you did in Exodus 14, I pray for freedom here tonight as well. We love you a lot. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so that's Exodus 15 and 16. We're going to settle kind of in Exodus 20 tonight, but let me just kind of recap a little bit Exodus 17, 18, 19. Uh, in Exodus 17, you see this cool story where the Amalekites try to take over the Israelite people. And it's a really cool story, actually, that Moses, they, they kind of find out that when Moses has his hands up in the air, they're winning the battle. And when he puts his hands down, they're losing the battle. So they figure this out. And Moses says, well, I guess I better keep my hands in the air so that we can win this battle. And perhaps for us, it's true that our battles are still won today with our hands in the air, just like then. And then it says that, as anybody's would, I remember when I was in sixth grade, I got in trouble uh, with my basketball coach, and I had, to carry, I had to run and carry a ball over my head. And about five minutes in, my arms were just shaking, right? You can only hold your hands up for so long. And so his buddies get involved, and they literally hold his hands up so that he can keep his hands up, and they eventually win the battle, which is another lesson for us here today, that when you can't fight, when you can't continue to hold your own hands up in the air, call on some friends. And also, it would be good for us to become the kind of friend who holds other people's arms up for them in those battles as well. That's Exodus 17. In Exodus 18, Moses' father-in-law comes, and he um, has some very good wisdom to share with Moses. He says, Moses, look, you're pretty much doing everything, so cut it out. He said, you need to raise up leaders. You need to let people operate in their giftedness. You need to send them and let them oversee other people and then really just pay attention to very specific needs in mind. So this 
format really takes shape in, in a lot of ways throughout the Old Testament, starting in Exodus 19, Exodus 18, and then Exodus 19. This is when Moses goes uh, up Mount Sinai, and he gets the Ten Commandments from God. And so starting in Exodus 20, verses 1 and 2, we'll read there, and then we'll continue on thereafter. It says, And God spoke all these words, I am the Lord your God, who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. Now this is important. If you don't hear anything else tonight, hear this. This is so important. God did not give them the Ten Commandments while they were in Egypt. He didn't say, get it together, act right, and then I'll deliver you out of slavery. After he frees the Israelites and he drowns out the enemy, that's when he gives the Ten Commandments. That's so important. The commandments are not our salvation. God is our salvation, right? God is our salvation. And the commandments, after God has freed us, the commandments help us to continue to walk and live in that freedom. They're helpful for us to walk in that freedom. See, even the Ten Commandments are under grace. That's so important. I think so many people go through their lives and they think that they're saved by the commandments. And this was true for the Pharisees, right? And this is why Jesus got so angry. They thought the commandments were the way, but Jesus says, no, no, I'm the way. And we can't miss that because what happens is if the commandments become the way, they're way too burdensome because we, were, we could never keep all the commandments. But if God is the way and we operate from a place of freedom, then we can actually obey the commandments because we're free. We're operating in freedom in that way. Galatians 5.1 says, It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. See, we've been freed. The law does not free us, so we cannot make the law about life. Life is found in Him. And if we do put so much stock in the commandments that we feel like life is found in them, then that will lead us into a yoke of slavery once again, God is helping us. He's freed us. And now he's helping us to continue to understand and be remade in that freedom through the commandments. And at the same time, the best way to walk in freedom is to follow God's ways, right? I mean, the fact that, that he, we can trust that the one who freed us also knows how we can live and operate in that freedom here tonight, right? And that is why he has laid these before us. So, let's go through these together. Ten Commandments. We're going to go through them together. Does that sound okay? Well, that's good. If you'd said no, I don't know what the, what the next step was. First one says, no other gods before him. Uh, so, not just having God number one, but no other gods in his presence. I was watching a show one time, and uh, this guy, I don't, I don't even remember what the show was, but this guy was dating two women. And he liked one a whole lot more than the other, but he wanted to keep dating the other one. So he goes up to the one he really liked, and he says, he says oh, don't worry, baby. Like, she's just on the side. You're, you're the main one. And, of course, what do you think her response was? Oh, thank you. Just sweep me off my feet, right? No. It was, are you kidding me? Like, 
in any kind of relationship. I mean, if your spouse said, I'll date you six days a week, but on this seventh day, I'm going to go out with this other person, right? It's not going to go over well. God doesn't want just to be number one. He doesn't want any other gods in his presence at all. Second one is, uh, do not make a carved image. So we limit in our minds the vastness and the greatness of God when we reduce him to a man-made image. That his glory is beyond what we can manufacture or what we can even imagine in our minds. And so serving a small God in our minds does not allow us to operate in freedom whenever big things come about. Third one is, uh, do not take the name of the Lord in vain. So this is not just saying God's name before or after a cuss word. It's, you know, without any reverence or meaning to the name of God. And the reason that this is a sin is because we are going to ascribe worth to something. And if we're using God's name and there's no reverence to it, how heavy is that going to be in our lives that we are putting so much stock in other places instead? The fourth one is remember the Sabbath, keep it holy. The Israelites were working seven days a week. Think about what an invitation. I mean, we've talked so many times about how often God's commands are also invitations for fullness of life, right? And so here's a great example. The Israelites are slaving away seven days a week, and God says, no, I want you to take, I want you to continue to work hard six days a week, but on the seventh day, I want you to focus on resting and being in my presence and praising my name. Um, and so this helps us to operate in the freedom that he desires for us. And the fifth one is honor father and mother. We live in such a generation that says, like, you got to accept me for me, right? Instead of extending that reverence, especially to generations who have, who have been through it before, who can offer advice. I mean, how heavy is it if we go through life and we don't prescribe any kind of reverence to generations that could really be helpful for us to navigate life, right? Uh, the sixth one is you shall not murder. So this is not just do not kill. This is do not murder. So if somebody goes and attacks Morgan and I kill them, that's not murder. That's just good sense, right? You're just protecting the person that you care about, right? So murder is unnecessary killing, which to define that one, we need a lot more time, and we're just not going to get into that part of it, so I'll just leave it there. But it's an unnecessary killing. The seventh one is do not commit adultery. So when you just let selfish desires rule and consequently fracture relationships, it becomes heavy. That we're truly becoming a slave to things like adultery when we give in to those things because it has us. That's why Paul says flee from it. I mean, Jesus says not, not just don't commit adultery, but don't even start down that path. Don't even have lust in your heart. Why? Because it will consume you. It will have you if you're not careful. And the eighth one is do not steal. So when we steal, we are creating disunity and a lack of trust relationally, which becomes heavy for us because we don't have good, unified, trusting relationships. The ninth one is do not fair, uh, bear false witness or do not lie. And without a foundation of truth, there really is no foundation to the relationship at all, is there? If there's no truth, there's really 
not a foundation at all. And when there's not relationships, life is heavy, is it not? And the tenth one is do not covet. I mean, when you really think about it, do we really have anything to covet? I mean, when we really understand our stories, that we were all saved, we were all like the Israelites, bumped up against this sea with the Egyptians coming, and we've been freed from that. I mean, that's our story. Is there really any reason to covet because somebody may have something that we don't? We really don't lack anything. I mean, if we have Christ in our life, we don't have any lack, right? And so why? Why would we covet? We've already been given everything. There's no reason to covet. So these commands, I think, will help us to really walk in the freedom that God has already offered us. Again, Let's not get these things out of order. Jesus says, if you love me, keep my commands. The the love is the first part, right? And out of that love, out of that overflow of love is keeping the commands. Why? Because we understand that his commands are invitations into fullness of life. And so it's no longer heavy because love isn't heavy, or at least it shouldn't be. Right? Jesus says, come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, I will give you rest. And my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So this juxtaposing between the yoke of slavery that sin offers, that, that being bound by the law offers, versus what Jesus offers of operating in freedom. And, and the irony is that we will fulfill these commands more when we operate in that way. And not the other way. Why? Because that takes root in the heart. We've talked a lot about seen versus unseen, right? That the Pharisees were about just do the right thing. And Jesus was about, no, 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 let's get to the heart. He said, out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. And so the irony here is that when it's just about doing the right things and doing the right things, then we actually cannot do those things successfully. But when it's about the heart and it's when it's about transformation, because of the love of Jesus, man, then we can really get somewhere, right? Then we can really see transformation in our lives. And I, I got to say, like I planned this series uh, a couple months ago, and I just planned it because we got six weeks, and I was like, let's just break it up evenly throughout the six weeks. But the way that this lined up tonight, I just think it was perfect because we started in Exodus 15, And we end in Exodus 21. So Exodus 15, remember, is them singing God's praises. That God has delivered them. That God has given them freedom. And if you're here tonight and you've never accepted that freedom or seen that freedom and actually given your life over to it, then you ought not really get into the commandments yet. Right? Because we've got to operate from a place of freedom. So if you're here tonight, don't be weighed down by the commandments. When you've given your life to him, that's when, man, we really embrace the commandments. Because we know he's offering something to us. He wants something for us, not just from us. And so we've got to get that order right. And then we conclude in the Ten Commandments. Because why? Because God has a plan for our lives. I think so many times growing up, we just think, ah, you know, I got to do this, or 
you know, the book says this or whatever, but there's so much more to it than that. There's a relational component here that God truly knows that these are the best ways to walk in the freedom that he has for us. And the, the great thing about it too, the thing I love so much about him, is when we wreck it. Because undoubtedly, we will wreck it and we will continue to wreck it over and over again. But when we do, he's so gracious to us. He's so gracious to forgive us. If we'll just humbly come before him once again, he forgives. We got a good God, don't we? Man. So here tonight, if you, I mean, maybe, maybe you haven't taken that step of saying, God, like I, I realize I can't earn it. And you've just freed me. I mean, think about the Israelites. They, what did they do to earn their freedom? <laughs> really nothing, right? All they did was pretty much complain the whole time. But yet God offered them this freedom. And he's offered it to all of us here tonight as well. So we embrace that and we be remade by it. The altar is open. If you need somebody to pray with, I'll be here tonight to pray with you as well. Let's pray one more time. Father. We just thank you. I mean, the theme of this whole book that we've talked about is that you've got this and we don't. And so, Father, we thank you tonight for that truth that you you really do have this. And so, Father, if there are people in here tonight that just feel kind of unworthy, like, no, like I got to get stuff going first and I got to make sure, you know, I feel good about myself before I come to him. Father, I pray that you'll reveal your character to them one more time that you are so good, that you, that you say in the scripture, you say, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. While we continued to get it wrong, you come running time and time again. And so, Father, help us to embrace that truth here tonight and help us to humbly submit to your ways because your ways are so much better than our ways. And so, Father, take it. Help, help us to, to place our lives into your life because really that's, that's, that's where it needs to be. So Father, we love you a lot. It's in Jesus' name I pray, amen.